Ruth chapter 3. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I'm your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognised, and he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Now, if you're here this morning as a, as a married person, I want you to think back to what your proposal looked like. Uh, how did that actually pan out? Was it a romantic thing? Was it a, a special moment in time? Uh, did it all go according to plan? Some marriage proposals are very cute. Uh, Sarah was uh, overseas with a group of people, and Adam was amongst that group uh, a few years ago. And the group, because they were all travelling together through Europe and uh, doing a, a lot of staying in different places, they made an agreement before they all went that there would be no Christmas presents. No one was to give anyone a Christmas present. They didn't want to have to carry all of that stuff around with them. So on Christmas Day, up in the far north of Europe, up in Lapland, uh, Adam presented Sarah with a Christmas present. 
she was quite upset that uh, he, he had got her one, she didn't get him one, and no one else was giving Christmas presents, so why did he go and do that? And she could feel through the paper that it was a picture frame, and this was the picture. Very cute. I'm not sure if you can see that, but it's Adam holding a sign that says, Will you marry me? Uh, not all of them are that well thought out. Mine certainly wasn't. You can ask Deb about that <laughs> later on if you like. But a marriage proposal is what's at the very heart of this passage in Ruth today. Uh, but we'll see more about that in just a moment. Let me remind you of where we're up to in the story so far. Naomi has had a very tough time of things over this past 10 years. The family moved to Moab. There was a famine in Israel, in Bethlehem, where they were living. So they were forced to move to Moab in order to just simply live and find food. But no sooner do they arrive in Moab than her husband, Elimelech, dies. Uh, Both of her sons marry Moabite women, but they also die. Uh, She comes back to Jerusalem with just her one Moabite daughter-in-law. And I think the lowest point for Naomi actually comes in chapter 2 when she gets back to Jerusalem, when all the women in Jerusalem are saying, wow, is that Naomi, realising what a tough time she has had. But it's when she, when she sends her daughter-in-law Ruth out into the fields to pick up the scraps of grain that are left by the harvesters. That's the point where she is admitting that life has now hit the absolute rock bottom. Ruth has been sent out into the fields to pick up the grain behind the harvesters. But chapter 2 closed with a positive note. Ruth came home from work that day with 10 kilo of grain that had been given to her by Boaz. And she explains to her mother-in-law that it is Boaz who owns this field. And Naomi realises that Boaz is a close relative uh, of her husband, Elimelech. This kindness is no accident. He has an obligation as a family member to look after Elimelech's family. So by the time we reach chapter 3, you see that Naomi's attitude has changed somewhat dramatically. Remember back in 1, she was saying, don't call me pleasant anymore, which is what the name Naomi means. She says, call me bitter because God's hand has been against me. But now the attitude has changed. She stopped thinking about herself and her own circumstances and starts to think about her daughter-in-law. See it there in the beginning of chapter 3, first verse. One day Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be provided for. Naomi has turned the corner. She's now wanting to demonstrate kindness to Ruth. She knows the kindness that Ruth has shown to her and she now wants to show that same kindness to Ruth. Back in chapter 1, Naomi tried to stop Ruth from leaving Moab because she said you're going to have a better chance of finding a husband in Moab than you will in Israel. But Ruth was insistent. She was going with Naomi, knowing that she stood to gain nothing from it knowing that all she could do would be to care for her mother-in-law. Well, now Naomi wants to repay that kindness. She wants to take the lead in finding a husband for her daughter-in-law. And Naomi knows that Boaz is the obvious candidate. Is the obvious candidate for a couple of reasons. First of all, he's already shown great kindness to Ruth by giving her all of that grain. 
But the other reason is this one that's a little bit more technical. He's a, a close relative, and a close relative has an obligation to look after a family member. We call them next of kin in this country, but it's called a kinsman redeemer or a family redeemer is the way that it's described here. But th- this is what it says in Deuteronomy. This is what God said to his people. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. And this rule went a little more widely than just brothers. It was the responsibility of the whole family to look after anyone in the situation that Naomi was in. They were to redeem the widow. They were to rescue them from the circumstances that they found themselves in. Naomi and Ruth are hoping that Boaz will be able to fulfil that role. And Naomi's not sitting back and waiting for Boaz to propose. She's being a little bit more proactive than that. Naomi comes up with this plan to woo Boaz. You got it right there. Chapter 3, those first three verses. One day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you'll be provided for. Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight, he'll be, in, he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes, then go down to the threshing floor. There's a, there's a somewhat surprising detail in those verses. I had always thought that it was only teenage boys that needed to be told to shower, put on deodorant and wear something nice. But apparently Moabite women need the same instructions. It's harvest time. And back in those days, harvest time was a time to celebrate, especially at the end of a 10-year famine. And that's the scene that Ruth has walked into. She goes into the the shed where the grain is stored. It's the post-harvest party time. And Ruth's been working on, working on Boaz's farm, so she would have, would have been quite acceptable for her to be there. I saw a really strange marriage proposal. It goes back a few years ago now. It was on Channel 10, and you may have seen this as well. You know, Tim Bailey, how he sometimes does those little location shots and does the first little burst of the weather partway into the news, and then later on he gives the full details. Well, he'd done his first little spot explaining that, you know, here's the weather, but I'll be back later to tell you the full story. There was a guy walking past where he was, walking his dog, and he heard that Tim Bailey was going to be coming back to do the weather live again later in the news. So he went and spoke to Tim Bailey and said, can I propose to my girlfriend live on television? I know that she'll be at home watching the broadcast. I'd love to be able to propose to her. And Tim Bailey thought, why not? So sure enough, Tim Bailey does the news and he says, but one more thing before we finish and hands it over to this guy who looks into the camera and says, I can't remember what her name was, but, you know, will you marry me? Uh, The TV crew race back to his house or her house to find out what the answer was going to be and she said yes. A strange wedding proposal and we have another strange one here in the book of Ruth. Ruth does the proposing to Boaz. The celebration after the harvest is over and it's time to sleep. People have found a space in the shed to lie down and sleep off their their festivities. Ruth comes over, uncovers his feet and lays down beside his feet. And then look at what happens. Verse number 8. 
In the middle of the night, something startled a man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, he said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Now, don't misunderstand this. She's not asking him to share the blanket. This is a marriage proposal. She's saying, will you marry me? And Boaz is well aware of that because look at what he says to her proposal in verse number 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. The kindness, This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. That is the kindness that she's already shown to Naomi. You have not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. Boaz recognises that if she'd wanted to, she probably could have found a younger man to marry. But Ruth has chosen to make a commitment to Boaz if he is willing to marry her. Boaz is flattered by the proposal. In fact, he describes it as this greater kindness than she's already shown to Ruth. Any good love story always has a little twist in the plot. There has to be boy meets girl and then there's the problem, the twist. Well, the twist in the plot comes in verse 12. Boaz is no doubt flattered by the marriage proposal and he would love to be the kinsman redeemer for this family but he knows that there's another man who is a closer relative than than he is. See it there in verse 12? Although it is true I am a guardian redeemer of your family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Yes, Boaz is a close relative, but there's somebody else who is a closer relative. And this man has the right to redeem Naomi and Ruth and the family. This man must be consulted to see if he is willing to fulfil that role as next of kin. Now, Boaz would clearly love to take Ruth to be his wife. We can see that from the things that he's already said. But he seems to be willing to let the Israelite social security system run its course. Look at what he says, verse 12. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning... If he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he's not willing, as sure as the Lord lives, I will do it. Now, don't misunderstand what Boaz is saying here. This is not indifference on Boaz's part. It's not as if he's he's not sure whether or not he wants to do it. We'll see what this guy says and then I'll make up my mind. That's, that's not what's happening here at all. This is really just a confirmation that he's willing to trust God in all of these circumstances. So he knows what God's word says. He knows what the responsibilities are in this situation. And he's willing to trust that God's got this under control. He's willing to trust God's word. It's a great little example, isn't it, for us, that when we know what God's word says, there may be another thing that we would really love to do but we know what God's word says, so we'll stick with what God's word says. That's what Boaz is doing right here. And we have to wait until chapter 4 to see what ultimately happens. As I've been saying all the way through this book of Ruth, the big idea that keeps coming up over and over again is kindness. We see the kindness of each of the characters in this story the kindness that they show to each other. 
But there's another idea that's so much part of the fabric of this book that you kind of may not even really notice it. And that's the fact that this kindness is expressed in terms of relationships. The kindness of a daughter-in-law for her mother-in-law with Ruth and Naomi. The kindness of a close relative in Boaz. He knows where Ruth has come from, that she is a Moabite. He knows that Ruth is looking after Naomi. And Boaz shows kindness to Naomi by showing kindness to Ruth. The kindness that Ruth shows to Boaz in the wedding proposal is anticipating that relationship of a husband and wife. And Boaz says that Ruth's kindness in being willing to marry him is a greater kindness than than she's already shown to Naomi. There's kindness in all of these relationships. God shows his care for each of these people in the context of those relationships. I think it says something about the way that God's wired us, something about the way that we're made. It says something about the way that God intends us to live. It says something about the way God continues to show his kindness to us today. I want you to notice something. The NIV kind of obscures it a little bit in its translation, but can you go to chapter 3, verse number 9? You see what Ruth says to Boaz in the marriage proposal? I've got it up on the screen if you wanted to look there. Boaz says, who are you? And she says, I am your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a kinsman redeemer. Now, Ruth uses almost exactly the same words that Boaz has spoken in the previous chapter. If you flip back to chapter 2 and verse number 12, you'll find it there. Ruth chapter 2, verse 12. This is what Boaz says to Ruth. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Under whose wings. See, what Ruth literally says here in chapter 3 is this. When Boaz says, who are you? She says, I'm your servant, Ruth. Spread your wing over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. Ruth has come to take refuge under God's wing, and she finds that refuge under Boaz's wing. That's the place that God has provided refuge for her. This is literally what she says. Spread your wing over me since you are a guardian redeemer. See, God shows his kindness to each of these people through the relationships that they have. God shows his kindness to them by having them show kindness to each other. I think all of us know that God's wired us for relationships probably the greatest moments of joy that we will have in our lives will be directly related to our family, to the marriage of children, to the birth of new children, probably the greatest moments of heartache and sadness in our lives will also be related to our family. There'll be more happiness in our lives because of our family than because of any other factor and there'll be more tears shed in our lives because of our family family 
more than any other reason. Because that's how important family is. When family relationships don't go right, it's a painful thing. Because there's something deep down inside of us that knows that family is important. If your house burns down, it doesn't take you too long to realise that it's just stuff and it doesn't really matter. But if a child dies, or when you have to face the death of a husband, or a brother, or a sister, or parents, well, there's a sadness that never completely goes away. There'll be an ache for the relationship that has ended. Relationships is how God has wired us. We are made that way because that's what God is like. He's made us not just for relationships within our own families, he's made us for relationship with him. I love what Jesus says in John chapter 17, just before Jesus goes to the cross, he prays. And this is what he says right at the beginning of his prayer. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God and knowing Jesus. Not knowing about them, but knowing them personally. And in this life, we have the great privilege of not only being part of the family that we're born into, but we have the great privilege of being part of God's family. You see it all the way through the pages of the New Testament. Those family words used to describe the relationship, brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're someone who has your trust in Jesus and you call this your church, then today you're here with your family. You're meeting together with your brothers and sisters. And this is the family who are going to be caring for you and looking out for you. This is the family that you are to love. This is the family that you are to seek to show kindness to. So what steps can you take to do that better in 2019? What are the steps that you can take to show greater kindness to the members of this family? What are the needs of the other members of the family? What are the struggles that they face? What can you do this year to show kindness to the members of this family?